Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. I hope you are safe and well wherever you are listening to this podcast from. This is a series that I have named Transition and I wanted to give back to the industry and really talk about strategy moving forward and how we can continue to operate our businesses safely, profitably and think about a new strategy and purpose as we move forward to build a better industry. So what I've done is built this 10-part series in which I talk to industry experts in Australia, New Zealand and the US on what they believe is the best strategy to focus on to survive. Continuous improvement is a shared responsibility, but action is an independent one. So I hope you really enjoy these episodes as we move forward in this special 10-part series and really get something out of it. So make sure you share this with people that you think are going to get some value out of it. I'd really love to know what you think. Take care. Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. Fantastic to have you viewing or listening wherever you are. I was on this gentleman's, next gentleman's podcast uh, the other week as we've connected up for a, for a little bit of time now, but always fantastic to talk to different people from around the world who are so knowledgeable as my next guest, Michael Tisanjana. Oh, Michael, you're going to have to say it for me because I'm, I totally stuffed that up after you told me. Um, yeah, the founder we, we have... of Hospitality Mavericks, uh, an amazing uh, podcasting consultancy in, in, uh, in the UK. Michael, how are you? Even though I stuffed up your last name. <laughs> uh, it was a good try, Sean, even though we practice a bit, you know, but it is difficult. I, don't like it. I, I, I haven't been anywhere in my life where I haven't spelled my surname, even in Denmark where I'm from. So don't worry about it, as I say it normally. But it's pronounced Tingsayer, but it's, 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 not, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. So don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm hanging in, bobbing along. As I'm, I'm my favorite phrase in the moment um, over here. It's a, it's, it's a weird time we are, mm. we are living in, and especially when it comes for the the hospitality and restaurant sector, as we both uh, has been part of, as as we talked about when you were on the hospitality Maverick podcast. Um, yes, and yeah, I mean, we we are a couple of weeks further down that that journey, whatever, whatever it leaves town as a. My good friend Peter Backman wrote yesterday in the UK, when the coronavirus leave town, when is that, you know? Uh, and it feels like that thing now we have accepted that's here to stay and we need to to work with it or live with it yeah. in, in a way, yeah. So, but yeah. besides that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well and everything's good. That's good. I want to talk to you about that later. I was, I was funnily enough just thinking about that um, before, you know, is, is COVID just something we're going to have to deal with you know, uh, further on forevermore, but we'll, we'll chat about that later. Um, let, let's talk about you because you've got, you've got such a brilliant career in the industry. And um, I mean, that's the reason why I followed you for a long time. That's the reason why I was so excited to be a guest on your podcast the other week. So do you want to talk about how you started out in the industry and where about your place now? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. So my mom and, uh, and, and my dad, who was a restaurant people and have been that most of the career have done everything from working in kitchens to work in uh, Tiuli, which is the, the, the core uh, in entertainment and leisure park in, in Copenhagen. If you've ever been there, well, my dad ran a number of those restaurants back in the 60s and 70s. So that was like a quite high profile thing. Uh, and they did everything. And then in, eventually they ended up 
in the south of Denmark running their own things. And, and of course, that started with a simple uh, cafe developed into a pub, to a, a food trailer, and they had about eight different things. And it was not like, as we know today, a branded restaurant. Or, mm. It was just mom and dad working very hard to, to get these things done. And it yeah, grew well. eventually. And I grew up in that environment. And mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah, well, we together with my mom when she was peeling the potatoes, when she was, uh, my dad was doing the, the accounting and, uh, and saw, you know, hospitality life for the inside. That, that was my childhood. That was how I understood, you know, Mm-hmm. All kids maybe lived, and I found out later that was a very unusual thing to be at work with your mom and dad all the time. Most definitely. Um, uh, and uh, and when I was around fifteen, my mom said, "It's time for you to leave the uh, the family business because you cannot learn anything from being here." I was quite upset because I was quite happy about working for my mm. mom and dad. Um, mm-hmm. As you could imagine, you you are put to work very early when your mom and dad are self-employed people. Mm-hmm. So. So McDonald's was opening in the uh, the community, and that was a big thing back in the '90s. That McDonald's was coming to Denmark, and uh, mm-hmm. getting a job there was a good thing. Most parents thought, and and of course that was like a game changer in my life uh, mm-hmm. working for McDonald's. There's no doubt about that. And uh, yeah, I started there, you know, cleaning the the loppy and the loose, and uh, over a period of 11 years, uh, tried everything from running restaurants to be part of head office team, to running teams both in in, in Denmark and the UK. And um, and uh, besides that, I also ventured out growing a, a cafe chain in, in Denmark with organic food in the early 2000s. I were there about, about eight years. And mm-hmm. uh, my last role there was, uh, you know, operations and people director. To get, and together with the two founders, we grew that to about 24 units uh, across Denmark, which is wow. in Danish term, a, a really big, right? big chain yeah mm. we're about five million inhabitants and there's mm. three major cities so so it's very very small market compared to to anything else and then mm. um then uh, at some point i left uh, corporate life and decided to set up my own mm-hmm. uh, which today has become hospitality mavericks and that's a bit more than eight years old and that's working with different brands around their especially around their, their people capabilities and how they, they build great teams and how they stand out as a culture. Uh, we call it dare to be different, how you actually you survive with actually building a different culture that actually delivers you know great loyalty and service uh, to your customers. And then uh, we've also done a number of other projects within operation and technology, which is our areas. And we have a group of associate consultants working with that and that's uh, and that's where where I was uh, when we hit the pandemic and then I think it's also important that I, I operate or part of operating operations myself so I'm not mm-hmm. just talking consultancy concept I actually I, I understand because I have a you know a, a, some hands involved in operation especially on finance of people uh, when yep. it comes to two businesses both one in London which is now because of the, the pandemic the, it's called the bear kitchen mm-hmm. uh, has is in hibernation for now it looked like early signs okay. of waking up mm-hmm. the bear is waking up again and <laughs> then we, uh, we have a little coffee business locally where I live here in Brighton um, which also has come back during the pandemic and now also operating 
platform, uh, a little little unit, uh, and we'll see where everything goes. But yeah, so I understand that the pain out there, and I always felt it was very important that you have because when you're dealing with hospitality, everything happens in the front line, and if you don't mm-hmm. have the pulse on things, you you can very you know you you can advise on it, but it's not the same as having the pain and share that with your customers. Yeah, true. Especially especially I would imagine you would think during a pandemic time, right? Well, this is. I hate the word, I hate the term unprecedented times, but but this is a time when, you know, people like yourself and myself have to support, you know, those clients through it because they're just, yeah. they're struggling with so many different emotions and, and pain points, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, it's been, you know, you, you had, you know, everything around it if, or from a UK point around. I can remember the 15th of March, I was in London and... Um, we just acquired a new client in the bear kitchen and, and mm-hmm. it was a big client. And we, we both, you know, we were there, the, the, the two founders were there and, um, and we could feel the anxiousness in the town. It was already going quiet. And we said, this is a, we knew something was coming. We already had a plan. We said, this is mm-hmm. going to be much worse than we thought. Mm-hmm. So we remember we brought a coffee at a, our famous uh, coffee store, Pret, and we're just sitting down and riding out on a, we, we will probably need to, to do something. And we didn't, we, said, we don't know what to do. And, uh, and we went back and asked the, uh, the, uh, the, the staff what to do. And we could hear straight away, it was like one thing I found out, and this is the advice I gave to all my clients. This, this is so unprecedented, as you say. Mm. This is like, this is gonna be something. That, and, and it was all about caring for others people, yeah. your community, the planet. It was not for you know, your profit, your business, it's the money and i know it's important to keep a money in a business to keep it alive but actually the mm. end result of this whatever we walked into was about caring for others so yeah so again as you said giving advice in this time has just been about giving help it's not been about building business making profit making money it's about this you know caring for for people and the communities you're part and uh, not for things in position and coming back to, to the bear kitchen what the staff came up with there was that how, how can we help our local communities getting fed because if people can't go to their job and earn money or people in hospitals can't get proper food treating patients um yeah. how, how do we help them and and that became like for me early on in this and, and the advice i gave and how do you care for others as at the same time keeping your your business alive yes post post the sort of pandemic initial pandemic in the end of march like what what are the some of the strategies that you've you've helped clients you've helped clients with obviously you're talking about really caring for others and caring for community but in the case of them looking after their business and making sure they can actually keep their business alive however they're going to do that whether that be hibernation or whether that be trading like what are a couple, yeah. couple of strategies you put in place? Again, I think it's very, you know, it's a, you know, it's the principle of caring, uh, having that up there on your banner and understanding mm-hmm. that. Then you start to go down to the tactical, as you were alluded to as well. And uh, for every business, this is different. You know, um, yeah. I work with a, a small, fine dining, I would call it dining. They, they don't want to put themselves there, but they are that good. Uh, Indian concept here in Brighton, they had no other choice than hibernate, uh, first of all, because they have elderly family members, they're an Indian yeah. family, they live together. Yeah. The mom, they had to take care of her. Uh, they have 24 seats in a very uh, contained space. Mm. So it didn't matter. And they were not a takeaway concept and they had to redevelop all that and they didn't have the, the strength to do that. For them, it gave sense to hibernate. And yeah. for 
others, it gave sense to keep, keep going because they would keep more cash in hand by hibernating with the government incentives that was put in place uh, and support than, than it would to keep open. But others has been, you know, what, what can you do? Uh, what, what is it that you can launch? You, you should always be launching and actually get the most out of the pandemic. And that's my, you know, has been my mantra as well in these things I'm involved in myself. Saying, okay, yeah. what can we do to keep opening? Um, and in the bear kitchen, we didn't hibernate straight away. We were actually open for six weeks extra trading into the pandemic by raising money for the uh, health system and the hospitals and, and delivering more than 1,500 meals in there. So that kept the, wow. the team alive. But at that point, we couldn't continue after that. It was not viable. And we had to, to hibernate as well. Yeah. But again, how do you launch new revenue streams? And that's what I've been working with people on and helping them say, okay, is it home kits? Is it delivery? Is that kitchen? Try it out. It's now you have to try it because you will learn so much just by launching. And I still believe that's a strategy. Mm -hmm. Just keep on launching things, not mindless launching, but yes. things you already have thought about. This could, be, this could potentially be great, especially when it comes to the online space and digitalization. Never stop innovating trying out these things and and it's not so much about um, i know there's a lot of this fail faster kind of mm -hmm. concept mm -hmm. it's not so much about that it's actually already tapping into what's happening in the market especially for smaller operators um yeah. what what uh, do you be surprised um uh, i've seen a local business gone from uh, delivering local home meals to now launched last week national very interesting they built that business wow. during the pandemic yeah, right. and they kept them alive and a bit more um and they know that they, they i met them the other day they say, we know our customers much better now we have actually been targeting sometimes not the right customers mm. because suddenly they found out there were elderly people with an uh, with an audi audi in in in, in the garage you know yes. and they had a different spending capital and they have good jobs and they're still in jobs probably and mm. uh, they work in the city um, okay. So that's very interesting. They thought there were there were young people, you know, young professionals. Mm. It was not they, they when they drove up to their customers and delivering this food to two owners. They learned so much. <laughs> so again, that's 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 an example of a great story. Um, and then there's been also people where you have been giving the advice that uh, it's all about how do you get out of this without you know hurting yourself and your your life going forward. Yeah. too much you know liquidation almost uh, for some and we still we are not gone through the the wave here yet where liquidation and the big chains are starting now to, to 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 do things and i think that will send shivers to the landlords and things will happen um and as the uh, government incentives are running out we have something called I, i'm not sure i can't remember what you call it in, the, in australia we call it the furlough scheme where yep. people are you know have wage contribution as that starts to phase out i think you will see different advice needed um to just to to fold companies or sell companies off um, um so again it's been different approach but i think that the most you know if you come down from a business point of where you come back coming back to to survival right now it's keep the cash in hand mm. and uh i'm still surprised when i've been talking with people on it when we take the day-to-day -day tactics is that how few to do day-to-day -day cash flow management yeah and uh, it's essential that you know what cash you have every day as much forward as you can 100%. with the bills coming in and out um mm. and it always been but again it's not a practice that's been practiced in the industry often because um, that's not why we open 
restaurants. It's not because we like cash flow management. And that's definitely something I've been trying to, you know, with the, the people I've been giving advice, uh, free advice over the pandemic and say, okay, how can we actually start doing this? And how can we actually use a simple tool to get that done? Because this is a good discipline. When you've done this for two months, you will never go away from it again because you will yeah. understand how much better decisions you made uh, by having that. But again, it's been, it's been, it's been, uh, it's, there's been, it's been messy. And then there's also been advice on personal level. There's been lots of people that just needs to talk. Of course. <laughs> because the pressure have been so immense and it's not yeah. been so much commercial or operation or people strategy you put in place. It's more like a conversation. Just yes. have somebody to talk with, getting yeah. it off the chest. Lots of pressure, you know, uh, uh, so yeah, so it's been it's been. I, th- I think I think you almost like you have all the tools out of the the toolbox here. But again, it just feels like you're treading water, even though you think you're giving advice. It's it's hard, you know, because nobody has operated in this environment. No, I'm not no. more equivalent advice than anybody else because we are in new ther- territory. We are in a new paradigm, and um, that means that all the old approaches, some of them will work, but lots of them will be flushed out, and we need to learn new. And that's what I found fascinating by being part trying to help people is that you learn so much you know yourself and what you need to develop to actually be able to to add value after this and i, I don't think i have it 100 percent yet but it's definitely uh, it's definitely it's definitely a learning journey and i think yeah. that if you can accept that i think then, then then you will be be out on the other side and i think we think we only we only through the first, you know, if there's in every crisis, there's three waves, as they say. Mm-hmm. I think we only just coming out of the first one and the second chaos crisis management. Now we're in this temporary phase, I think, where you're going to see a, a lot of carnage financially going to the sector. You mentioned on my podcast as well, mm. seeing uh, uh, you said, I think I think you said that uh, maybe it's not 100% the way you said, but if, if you were not in, in profit and it didn't run a successful uh, hospitality or restaurant mm. business before, before this mm. there's a big chance you will not do it on the other side uh, mm-hmm. you need you need a lot of luck to to get get through on the other side so maybe it's now you need to think about what i'm going to spend my time on because mm-hmm. uh, and i think that's that's going to be a lot of people still they still have them open sitting and thinking what is the right thing to do what should i actually spend my time on? and then there's going to be a third wave which is the the built phase which are in a way um also quite excited about because yeah. i can see we can build build a new industry and uh, and it's going to be exciting hopefully being part of you know helping businesses inventing a new new industry which yeah. uh, you know i i'm also been hungering for i didn't want it to happen in this way mm. but uh i'm also hungering for seeing hospitality rise again and become a, a place where people both can uh, you know uh, uh, have a great work but also uh, make some money because I think also the, the challenge with before we went into the pandemic I think you alluded to as well is that uh, we were not making any really big money and yep. uh, we were running on steam often mm-hmm. and very small margins and I think that's had also the reason why we've been thrown as we have because there was no space for a shake I'm not saying it's it's easier on anyone's fault but the, the reality mm-hmm. is that there was too little profit in hospitality when we hit the pandemic. And, and yeah. we need to find a different way. We need to find a model where you can make money and do good and uh, have great work at the same time. So let's talk about a couple of things there. Um, one, do you think there is a, do you believe the one positive to come out of this, Michael, is the fact that 
every hospitality owner has had to sit back, actually think about their business from a cash flow management point of view, from a strategic point of view, from a people point of view and go, okay, what do I need to do here in order to survive and continue this business? Um, you know, it hasn't been about the sexiness of opening new brands. It hasn't been about, you know, new marketing campaigns and all that kind of stuff. It's actually been about nuts and bolts of businesses in order to keep them operational, which, which uh, I'm interested to think if you, if you thought was happening pre pandemic, but do you think that's the one positive to come out of this is the fact that we're actually going to have a stronger hospitality industry with a revived management, you know, upper management team who's actually thinking about the nuts and bolts of their brand? Um, yes, is the, the short answer. And there's a bit of a thinking behind that because, you know, business and people will never be the same after this event. Mm. Uh, this has fundamental changed our world. Uh, the post crisis, whatever you call it, uh, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't build it on the old uh, ways of doing things and mm -hmm. uh, and and running hospitality and as you say, just opening and is is that successful? Uh, mm -hmm. Apparently not, because the one that have opened mostly is also the one that's closing most <laughs> doors right now. Good point. Um, so, but I think I think we will see. Uh, uh, I don't think we want to see a shift tomorrow. I think we'll see, uh, uh, what do you call it, small behavioral change in how we, uh, how we do things in the industry. And that's both uh, especially driven by local uh, businesses that has, I would say, you know, there's local businesses that has small brands that actually have reasonable success within this mm -hmm. and, and doing better. I talked about one before. Uh, I, uh, one of my best friends operate one restaurant and uh, he has never been more profitable than he is right now. He was profitable before, but he's even more profitable now because he's really leveraged the pandemic in a way. Uh, and, and he's also doing more than just running a restaurant. He is doing good. He's, he's uh, trying, they are trying to stop overfishing in the sea. And these people that has a story they will, you know, these brands will rise in a way, but their challenge is going to be not to rise too quickly and have patience yeah. with that. And, and I think there's a question in my, and it's been been there for a couple of years and, and sometimes I've actually been thrown in the naughty corner for saying it, where I say maybe there is something around food and restaurants and, and people because they are so moving parts. You can't scale that in the yeah. sake you can scale technology or products or real estate maybe there is a you know acceptance that food businesses needs to be contained to a certain size to actually keep that culture and hospitality because that's what people are buying they're buying more than food and we need to go away from this food and customer experience thing and uh, that is the key exactly they, they're buying something else and especially the new savvy consumer will not go out and spend their money without it's really special so they're actually buying you know the hospitality and your course. Why are yeah. you here? Yes. What is it that you contributed to the world besides doing food and drinks? What is that little thing you do? It doesn't have to be saving the ocean. It doesn't have to be saving the planet. It mm. could be that you are just using the best ingredients locally and you support local farmers. Yeah. And I think these stories are going to be essential. But as you scale up, it's difficult to stay true to these stories and stay true to your identity. And I think we've seen that with some brands that actually had that and they lost that on that journey. And I think they are sitting and thinking, how do we come back to that? Because Agreed. that's going to be our survival. 
and it, and it sounds it's not just a marketing workshop here it's actually something you need to ingrain into everything you have your behaviors and beliefs what people do everything and you need to get people to trust you again but yeah. i think one of the biggest challenges we have set operators right now is you know first of all safety from from people coming and eating in our restaurant and i think think that's been done fairly well especially here mm-hmm. in the uk and i know you're in a second lockdown so you can't see mm-hmm. it. but what i hear and see out there is that people feel safe um and now mask has also become a very big thing i think yes that's not the thing but also there's there's something about do i trust you do i trust the way you do things do i trust mm-hmm. the way you treat your staff do i trust mm-hmm. the where you get your food from um do I trust the way you you deal with the community? Are you are you only here for profit? Of course, yes. you need to make a profit, but how are you using that profit? Um, and uh, I think the savvy consumer will not forget what you did and did not do during this time, mm. and and it will be remembered. And uh, and I think it, it's going to be a very different place and a very different form of business and i don't think it's only hospitality i think this is a wider in business but we're talking about hospitality and that's what i know mm. but i think it's, it's we have to reinvent you know uh, some things and we have to find out h- how we do that and make it profitable of course of course it's, it's good to talk about these things but of course it has to be profitable yes. and that that comes back to you know it's probably an overcrowded market too much capacity and so on. But I think that the biggest question is, how do my business look after this? And how do I fit into these massive trends that is moving uh, uh, across the, the world? Is, you know, what, what comes next? You know, uh, mm. how, does, how does hospitality you know, add that value to people's life? And, and I think if you think in the line and asking you questions about how do I actually, you know, how do I serve and make impact on, on the people, I, my customers and my employees? And how do I actually serve my communities and make some kind of impact on the planet as well? Yes. Uh, what can I do there? And how do I tell that story in, in a convincing and true way? Because if you're not authentic, people will find out now. 100%. They don't, they, they're not, you can't hide behind a, a, a sticker saying something you really need to to live it out and and you asked about the management yeah and the management have to go out there and be part of that i think it's 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 going to be leadership in the front line more than ever in the industry it's not it's not boardroom leadership it's really people you know managers leaders out there trying to understand what problems there is because in big big markets like the uk and australia it could be regional differences that you need to do something different then you do national. So I think this uh, cookie cutter model, it's going to mm. be yeah, redundant in, in many cases. I know there's still some brands that, that can do that. And, but yeah, I think it's, um, it's clearly that we are in a very, very different market. So yeah, a very long answer, Sean, to, to, a, to a very big question there. But that, that's, that's where I see it right now. And, uh, yes. it, and it can change. In two weeks' yes. time, I can of have course. a different view. Of, but I still believe deeply down that we need businesses to care for their people, their communities and planet, because they will thrive, no doubt. There will be a lot of Patagonias out there, because Patagonia already took the journey from yes. a totally different sector in the, in the, in the, in the, in the retail uh, clothing market. Uh, and there's Morningstar, there's the tomato farmers, there's Southwest Airlines. There's so many stories mm. about companies that took that approach 20, 30 years ago. Mm. And I think they, they will be, you will see them thrive out of this uh, on the other side. 100% agree. We're, um, we're very lucky to talk to people 
um, all over the world, Michael, and, and have very many different point of views. But I think the one thing, you know, in the two or three years I've been doing the Open Pantry podcast that I've learned talking to, you know, hospitality owners is the fact that they feel there was an oversupply of venues, right? Yeah. Around the world. And that was, doesn't matter if I was talking to people in the UK in Europe or in America or whatnot. Um, it was very consistent and, you know, arguably in Australia, probably what we're dealing with is probably a closure rate of anywhere between 10 and 40%, depending where you're living in the country. Um, hmm. I know we talked last week, um, uh, about a good friend, Josh Copel in America about, he was thinking it's probably more over, over 60% in America. Yeah. Um, do you think like, I'm trying to figure out where profit, where the more profit is going to come from and they're more, more sustainable, you know, businesses from a profit angle are going to come from. Do you think it's just a case of less competition, more turnover, and therefore all the, all the fixed costs and variable costs become less of a percentage and more to the bottom line? Or do you, do you see things like rent coming down, wages coming down, cost of goods coming down amongst brands? What, what's your sort of gut feel at the moment? So again, it's a, it's, it's a, it, again, every, every business model would have its own yeah. challenges, but I think we invented a business models that was scaled on the sake of a brand story. Sometimes that was mm -hmm. created. This sounds like a, a good brand consumers want, and therefore we're going to scale the, the logo and we're going to open as many stores, but no one ever thinking about what happens when we get restaurant number two, three, four, five, six, because every time that happens something, and that's is with the infrastructure. And I'm not just thinking about getting checklists and so on and so on, mm -hmm. but I think about the culture as well. Uh, yeah. How do we actually scale culture? Because I think the most successful brands has been good at that. I've been part of McDonald's. I think mm -hmm. McDonald's has been brilliant systematizing their culture. Either you like it or not, but mm. there is a culture and it's mm -hmm. sustained mm -hmm. and they will strive and survive many, many, many crises just because of people that is there, they work there for many years. So people really buys into it. Mm -hmm. They are there for many years. So again, I think it's that, but also it's getting accepting. You can't do that coming back to what we talked about for, but I think the critical thing when you, you talk about here is again, I think there's a lot of business model that hasn't been valid and not been recession proofed in a way. They're not having more than one revenue stream, Yes. which I think which business would you create with just one revenue stream? I made this mistake myself, by the way. It's a good uh, point. Mm. Um, and you yeah, yeah, we will develop that later. Mm -hmm. But what we learned here is that nature is not going to give us a later when you run business, you need to have your plan A, B and uh, C in place before you're hit by the unknown. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think there is a, there is a reality that, you know, sometimes even if the data or the facts are saying it's not working, it's not working. We, we have a tendency in the industry of uh, having a bit, probably a bit of pressure from investors and uh, private equity as well. Yes. Says, well, we have to do that. We have to do the openings. That's the only way we're adding value. We don't have the patience uh, to look at the data and say, well, it's not actually not working yet. It will work when we get it right, but we haven't found the right thing in our business model. We haven't really confronted the data saying that the customer is not happy about how they're queuing. It doesn't work that uh, the staff is not happy about working in this kitchen. We have designed this way. Mm -hmm. Well, they just had to get around it. We have to open more stores. Um, yes. How many times I haven't heard that. And mm. I think it's getting away from that and having a bit like, in, 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 there's a book that was written, I think it's almost now, it's almost 20 years ago, 
good to great uh, talking yes. about this company that has incredible patience to understand mm. what works and doesn't work. And they see it as a, Simon Sinek called it the infinity game. They don't see it as a finite game, but they see the infinity game. And they know every time they do something, it will have a knock-on effect on their business. Yes. So again, having more patience, it's not about actually, because I, that's how I felt sometimes when I've done, when I scaled, I, I worked for this coffee chain and we made the mistake of just scaling too fast back in yes. 2000s yes and, uh, and and suddenly we couldn't you know we couldn't breathe you know we were underwater as yes. a management and our good people left us because we didn't mm. have time to talk to them yes. which we were really good at before but we forgot mm. one of our principles mm-hmm. and and that was like when we stopped scaling we got back in control and we found out actually we don't need to get bigger we need to get smaller again because we we don't want to be part of this, have this kind of business. This is not the business we want to have. And we're not going to make the impact we want to do. We have to then start cut quality, reduce prices, and you start yeah. a, a business circle. So I think I think um, I think it's very keen that you look at these business models and ask yourself, are they actually working or uh, as as you as you come back from from, from all this? Um, mm. Yeah, but I, 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 again, I think it's again, you know, profitability is king in any business. And why would you go and work 120 hours a week as an owner if you don't make a profit? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not the right business. Maybe you need to leave it and, and do something else. And I think I've done that mistake myself. And I'm yeah. really asking myself those questions. Everything you involve in, not just profit for the sake of profit, but if you don't make a profit, you can't make good. Yeah. And I'm not a, a capitalist uh, I, at heart only, but I also understand if you don't make profit, you don't have energy to change the world to a better place. And that's what most entrepreneurs and business owners want to do. They want to change something. They want to do something better. They want to do a product better. They want to serve the market better. We all want to do that, but we have to understand it comes with, you know, we need to make profit and thereby having business models that do that. I think mm. that's very key. I think we, you talked about a lot of things there. One, when we talk about scaling brands, I think a lot of it you alluded to was about private equity money and and probably a bit of ego there, right? Trying to just build more and more units and be competitive against other brands in your sector to try and have the most units or the most growth. Do you think with the possibility of private equity money coming out of hospitality now and, you know, uh, unfortunately a lot of businesses... Um, going under do you think the long term is that we have more independent brands and maybe more imagine imagine imagination again in the hospitality industry and cool concepts that are coming through rather than so much of sort of cookie cutter and a slight change in a model and, and all that kind of thing coming through i think uh, the reality is there's a uh, there's room for both mm. and uh, there is some concept that just works really well with that I wouldn't say that private equity is, is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's about the intention you put mm-hmm. behind whatever you do in business. Good point. Uh, uh, but I think there'll be, yeah, right now I have a feel this is the opportunity of a lifetime for smaller operators. Mm-hmm. If they think it true before they make the move. Yes. And it comes back to what are your principles for operating? What is your behaviors belief? Something we work a lot with our customers trying to figure out first before we do anything. Because they all, the first thing many says when you, you meet with them and they want to do you to help them is that I want to I wanna scale my business. I want to grow my business. And they all yeah. think it's more units, funny yes. enough. 
Mm. And it's not more units. This, this period has also shown you can actually grow a business transcendentally digital. The funny thing with the one I told that's gone nationally, they actually started out the pandemic by closing to physical units. And then, wow. could they, could, and then they found out, oh, there's a market here. And they're not going to open those units again. They've already handed over to the landlord because it doesn't mm. give sense to keep them open if they can make that kind of money on digital sales or uh, on a shop online selling yes. the same products, unless yes. actually a smaller menu. Um, so I think there will be a time for, for the smaller operators. This is now. But again, be asking yourself the question about how big can I get from where I am right now with my organization. An organization is more than uh, uh, operation and checklists and, uh, you know, uh, cash. It's also, you know, your your culture, uh, the team you have. How, what is their ability? How far can I take them? Yeah. Uh, I think there's many that forget that think, oh, well, we'll just learn on the go. Well, you can't afford that. The margins are going to be even smaller. Um, of course, uh, you allude a little bit to what landlords are going to do. It's going to create massive opportunity to get turnover rent. I think you're already seeing it in the UK. Turnover rent is put yep. in place yep. by some of the big, the, the Crown Estate, which is mm-hmm. the Queen's property portfolio, have mm-hmm. now in London, in the West End, gone down to make deals down to 9% of uh, revenue. Wow. It's very interesting, interesting for a small small business that wants to get their feet on the ground. And, and, mm-hmm. and we, in the, one of the businesses, Simon Ball are discussing this on a, on a prime place, which is going to mean a world of difference in, in the way you can learn and innovate with that business. So having that patient, even though it's the time of your lifetime and not move too fast and sign every deal, especially property deal you can do because we don't know how we're going to, how people are going to interact with society for the next three years. How, how, how much trust do we actually have to going out? Uh, give you an example. Uh, if you haven't seen the news, London is dead. There's no one traveling into the offices. There's no tourism. Yep. Mm-hmm. You could probably pick up sites for, for very few money, but what are those sites worth if you're not trading exactly. really any revenue? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you just have three sites that you mm-hmm. open and burning money again. So I think it's again, get, using this time to get very clear about who you are and why you are here and actually find out trying to develop that model and just take it slow. You will have time as long as you're moving 1% forward every day. Uh, but it's when you take these leaps too fast, I think the small operators can also, the same situation this time we hear as an industry, but this is the hardest we've ever been hit. And I think we need to learn that there is maybe a reality check that needs to be done here. But I think there's an, a massive opportunity. This is the biggest opportunity in my business life uh, and it's about are you under the wave or are you on the wave I always say and I think <laughs> I like if that. you can get on the wave and on top of that and surfing there and not get cra- trapped underneath it mm. then yeah, you will probably be sometimes slightly underneath it but then get up on the wave again and if you can you can balance that because everything is about balance I'm also a big believer that in business yeah, okay. uh, because of course you can't get everything 100% right no matter how good a plan you have but again, if you can balance that being under and uh, on the wave, uh, I think you have amazing opportunities. And people are going to hunger for the small brands. They already yes. are. They're yes. buying locally. Mm. So, um, so I think, I think it, again, you will see, you will see a, a pickup on that. And I think 
the big change will still be there. The one that has a, a, a relevance that either helps you save time or money, I think, uh, and give you convenience. Uh, because there is something about standardization and convenience that we still like as consumers. Mm. Uh, but but they also have to to really to up their game. And I'm sure that big companies uh, around the world like them. McDonald's, there's a meetings going on and has been going on and preparation for how to come back. Mm. Uh, And and they're not taking this lightly. They also know they need to change. And I think digitization is a a practical good example of what's happening across the whole sector. They have been very fast at ramping up the digital roadmap, maybe three to five years, some of the big players and also smaller players, Mm. which people in hospitality said, oh yeah, digital and technology is something will do as we are forced to. Now it's actually become a, a business area, a focus area of the business. And yeah. something I think that will also set aside the, the savvy operators from the, uh, the, the less savvy or the less profitable because technology can help you save money and, and, and make time in your business. Yeah. Uh, it just has to be implemented correctly. And uh, we're definitely seeing that with the people we work with, they are massively moving forward on technology. Um, but yeah, there will be a market for bulls, but I think this is the prime time to answer your question in the end. This is the prime time. If you're a small operator, you are spot on brand. People love what you're doing. This is the time to start looking forward and uh, not, not trying to not doing anything. But again, do it with patience and okay. test things before you, and be sure it's working before you start scaling it. And it has to work without you there because as you scale, as an owner, you can't be everywhere. Yeah. What, what do you think for the, um, you know, the people who are listening, Michael, who maybe can't afford consultancy from yourself or myself, even though I know they can both have a chat to us for free and get some free advice. Yeah. But with things moving so quickly, so much news coming out about what COVID's doing, what the hospitality industry is doing, different councils, state governments, federal governments giving out different information confusion what how do you think they should navigate what they actually do to move forward positively and actually make strategic decisions if they can't if they're on a lower turnover they can't afford consultancy to cut through that what do you what do you think they should do Do, should they listen to podcasts like us should they have a trusted source they should listen to what's your what's your sort of advice around that yeah, that's a that's a very good question. Uh, they're always welcome, as you say, to to mm. to reach out, and then uh, maybe there's something to be done about it. Um, I think the key thing here is that um, talk with you know if you're a local operator, a small local operator, we are talking about that, or even a chair. I think also there's so much learning by connecting with people. And that's yeah. what I spend a lot of my time on talking mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. I also think listening to, to podcasts, I would say that there's definitely some, some learnings in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then I, I think it's, it, it's also just taking your common sense on uh, what, what is it that I need to do? If that, like, again, I said, there was one advice I've been giving everyone take control of your finances. There's so many that are scared about that. Learn about money. It yes. took me years to do that. When I did that, and now I don't even think about it. It's something that I do on a Monday. I do a run through the finances and I mm-hmm. make sure to update all the things I need to do. Mm-hmm. And if that's in any, I want to know where we are right now. What is the, 
what is this situation right now? And sometimes yeah. it's not pretty to look at, but then mm. you will start to change behavior and do something about it. It doesn't yeah. mean you have, then you don't come to this situation where you have to cut, 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 and it becomes, yes. you know, awful. So I think that's the, the, the best advice. Start to learn financing, uh, do some online training in that. There's a lot of free stuff on that as well. Great Cash point. flow analysis, um, uh, sign up to uh, a bookkeeping thing so you understand. You don't have to do your booking, but understand how it works so you can ask the right questions mm-hmm. around your, your money because the, that's the problem often. It's, it's, it's not ideas people run out of, that's money they run out of yes. for them. Uh, and, and this was not my favorite area but i like trained that muscle in a way um, mm-hmm. and i see for many operators you are talking about that and then by you can maybe start affording paying for that advice you need to 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 elevate from there yes. but the yeah. basic thing is uh, is that because many of these people there they're quite good at selling their product you don't need to help them with that but often it's a it's structure around money and structure around their people there's yeah. the, the big thing and that's the you know that's the people is also their biggest cost you know uh, for most of them uh, in hospitality or the one that is most fluent yeah. and you forget sometimes how um, how that impacts things and i think uh so i think think that thing there's a lot of free stuff there and then i think it's uh, also ask people that's not part of your industry what they think and people you don't know so they give you a right uh, right answer instead of just a polite mm. answer Yes. What do you think about my business? What do you think is good? What do you think is bad? Ask your customers. Yes. You probably have some people that comes all the time. Why are they mm. coming? What do they think are great? What would make them come back? Uh, this has definitely been the time to doing that. And in all the business I'm involved in, and especially the one in London, we have we have and we're doing a second round now. We we have created brand advisors we didn't have before, but we used the opportunity to get these people in to help us understand what kind of business we need to build for them after this. Great idea. And because, because again, that doesn't cost any money. Mm. And people are more, if they like you, they are more than happy to help. It, yes. It's been insane. It's actually now, that's why we're actually starting reopening is because they found out, oh, you're still operating. You mm. want to do a difference. Uh, okay, well, we will we'll, we'll buy something from you just because we, we love what you do or we mm. think you should do this or you should talk with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, it, it, there's, there, there's three ele- elements in this. There's the, you know, understand money, that you mm-hmm. can do that. It doesn't have a cost. You can do that online. Um, and I think, again, talk with other people, especially people that's not part of your industry as well to understand your business model. And then, you know, uh, ask your customers, involve mm-hmm. them. And your people, for that sake, you know. I think what the people I've talked with through this pandemic that has had most success and is the one that have involved their teams and not thinking they have to come up with everything. You are not the cleverest person in the room. You yeah. collectively, you are the cleverest people mm-hmm. in the room. Mm-hmm. But you, as the boss, you don't have to come up with all the solution. You have the responsibility to get to a solution, and yes. that's very different, as I said to many of my contacts. Mm. you just need to to elevate your people can come up with the most crazy things yes. if you allow them to yes um answered your question uh but i, I think that's 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 where, where where you should be thinking in a way and then you then you will slowly you know adapt and, and also for a period accept that you're not going to find the answer from today a radical acceptance of your situation is the most important to take the first step forward yeah. And, and it took me, you know, it took me two months to accept this situation. And I'm still struggling with accepting this where we are because 
there's so many things I want to do, but again, we don't mm. have the cash or we can't do that or we're waiting for the contract or whatever. And, and you just have to radical accept that you've done every day, you've done what you've done, you're focused on the right things. Yeah. Uh, then, then you can't do anything. Um, so I think for people out there that don't have much money, there's so much you can do in your circle of influence. Uh, and then, then you, you will make a bit of money all the time and, and crawl back. Uh, we have a, a crazy ability as people to adapt very quickly uh, um, not only as an industry but as humans who've okay. seen how we now over four months <laughs> we just uh, operate in a very different world and i'm like so fascinated about the amount of innovation the amount of adaption agility we can have imagine if we can have that in non-pandemic and crisis time how, what a world we could build you know yeah totally when we agree. take away all the bureaucracy and stuff like that but yeah so yeah, I don't know if that again if that answered your your question totally. We got we got a bit around things here. We always get a bit around things when we chat, but I think um, that is that is bang on. I think I think people the the two things they can do is a lot more is a lot more listening and then a lot more talking about where they're actually at. And I think the positive thing that might come out of the industry um, from this that I'm excited about is that is that more people will start to converse properly and honestly about where the situation's at and ask for help. And that can only make the industry and those people stronger. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Um, Michael, thank you so much for your time today. I've got, I've got one final question for you, yeah. um, which I've been asking um, a couple of my, couple of my guests of recent times to get us out of this, um, this um, <laughs> sad mindset at times. Yeah. What's what's the one thing you're really looking forward to post pandemic? Um, yeah, it's a good question. It's a very good question. Um, <clears throat> I think we have. A, I think I alluded to it before. I think we have the biggest opportunity ever to change and redefine how our industry, you know, operates is perceived. You know, um, I don't know how it is in Australia, but often hospitality is not perceived as a sexy thing to, yes. to work and to be part of Absolutely. and we and it's only sexy when we scale and every all the investors mm -hmm. are raving around it mm -hmm. and i think again we have become as important as teachers and nurses has been in this pandemic getting a bit of status again uh, because i gave my life to the industry and i've been very sad to find out and see how you know both you know relatives and, and people look at what sometimes i do and think it's not sexy sexy at all i think it's very crucial to communities hospitality because if there's no hospitality there's no tourism there's no heart in a community and mm. i think again i think uh, we have we have a great opportunity to redefine this as an industry it's our responsibility to bring that back and actually i think we can do that as long as we make people trust us not only from a safety point of view but also how we operate our business and how we care and make impact on people and customers and communities and planet so i think that's a massive opportunity um but again we we have to you know to understand as owners operators ceos that wh why why did we actually end there and uh, and why why did did we actually, uh, you know, ended up in a situation where we have to have this pressure to make this change? I think we need to to think about that question as well as part of that. And I think we will see CEOs really rethinking about, as I mentioned before, how can we actually redefine the way we do things? And, uh, you know, I think this whole top-down, very heavy management structures that uh, that's just 
runs with a, a PNL. I'm not yes. saying the PNL is not important. The PNL is very important, mm. uh, but it's going to be more complex than that. It's going to be businesses for good, and I, I think you will see uh, organization really started moving towards that. And these skills, and we have a massive skill gap there. And it's so interesting yes. when you have. I, I'm so excited when there's a skill gap because there's something new you can learn. It's and I've just point. discovered in this pandemic as well. I said. I, I have to learn a lot of new stuff to be able to do this because I also used all the old tools. Mm. So we now have an opportunity and I'm not saying all the old tools goes out with the bathwater, but we really have a way now of changing our leadership mindset about how we build an industry that's good for people, customers, communities, and our planet. And that's an absolutely exciting journey and not forgetting all the pain that has been put towards people with the disease and the, the virus. That's no doubt about, we can't forget about that. Yes. And that's sad and that's hard. But again, if we think about it, any positives out of this is that we really have an opportunity. We have a blank piece of paper to rewrite hospitality as it's never going to be as it was or was 20 years ago. No. But it could be on a, a totally new scale now in my world. Um, and I think that's exciting. And we're never going to get that opportunity in our lifetime again. Agreed. What a great way to win the podcast. Uh, Michael, what's the best way that people can reach out to you and find you online? So uh, I'm on, on LinkedIn. That's a, a pretty good place. We, um, we have, of course, our, our podcast, Hospitality Mavericks podcast, uh, where you can follow us or, or me as well. And then there's, of course, our website, uh, Hospitality Mavericks dot com uh so yeah so reach out always willing to to have a chat uh if it's just about the industry about thinking about how we make better businesses which i'm as you can hear from our conversation today is where my mind really is how do we create mm-hmm. this business and that's good for people communities and the planet so yeah really open to that so just uh just feel free to reach out that's 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 how i like myself to do things that's the only thing you get more clever is to to talk to other people more than yourself yeah totally agree michael from hospitality mavericks thank you so much for your time thank you for your time sean thanks for tuning in for another episode of the open pantry podcast i hope you really enjoyed it as always please look in the bio of this podcast and always Send me a voicemail message. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast or just follow us on Instagram under Open Pantry Consulting. Until next time, stay well.